So today, Matt's going to come speak for us, and I'm really excited about that. Before I let him up here, though, I want to say that next week, you don't want to miss Ryan Reamer, the pastor over at the Church of Christ Church, is going to be here speaking, and I'm so excited about that. He's like one of my favorite humans on the planet. He is legitimately one of the greatest guys and so nice and so kind. Uh, In fact, I'm really nervous about him being here. You're going to want him as your pastor, (laughs) so... Uh, but no, it, it, seriously, he's a good friend, and I can't wait to, uh, for him to share with us because uh, God's just given him a beautiful voice. And, and uh, so, so be here and bring a friend next week. Um, before I bring Matt up, well, actually, as I bring Matt up, <clears throat> uh, you guys know Matt's our, our youth pastor. He's been our youth pastor for eight years. Uh, he is stepping down from that leadership position and exploring other opportunities that God might have for him. He's not going anywhere at least not yet, and, uh, and he's, uh, he's, he's, just, he's still going to be here around, and, and we're going to continue to use him in this capacity to, to teach us because he's such a gifted teacher, and uh, he's done such a, a magnificent job of, of being our youth pastor, and I, I, it's, every time I try not to think about it too much because every time I think about it, I start getting um, emotional, but he is, he's been, I'll just say he's been one of the grading, great, grading, greatest blessings our church has had over the last eight years. I mean, he, he really has. He really honestly has. And so before I release it to him, I just want to say, uh, first of all, thank you, Matt, and you're awesome, and I love you. And But I'm, I'm not going to stop there because I want you all to know that the last Sunday night of this month, uh, November 24th, we're going to gather here uh, and have a, a potluck and just spend some time uh, saying thank you to Matt and and showing him our uh, pr- appreciation and honoring him for a little bit for his service to our church. So that's November 24th, last Sunday night of the month, and uh, there'll be more information uh, coming out about that. But uh, yeah, join us for that, and we'll uh, give him a, a, a really official um, goodbye, and we'll say, save the tears for that day. Uh, yeah. But we'll, uh, for now, just teach us, Matt. Yes, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, honestly, I'm not going to lie, it's probably my pride for a second, you know, I was like, this is my last official sermon, and Jeff's like, plugging next week, and I'm like, okay, jerk, who do you have coming next week? Oh, it's Ryan Reamer, okay, yeah, that's what's up, yeah, come next Sunday, it's going to be good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pumped for next Sunday, this is good. Uh, well, good morning, Living Hope, I'm the lame duck youth pastor around here, uh, stole that joke from my youth pastor. Uh, before I get going, though, I do have one thing that I need to do. And the last time that I had the pulpit, uh, it was actually two Sundays in a row, and I promised that if you read a full chapter up until what we were going to read next week, I had some gold stars for you. And uh, there was one family that did it, and um, I forgot to get them gold stars. So I went and uh, talked to somebody and got enough colored stars for every Sunday that I forgot so thank you guys for reading the chapter in 1 Samuel that I asked you to read. And you can thank Janine Thiessen for the stars. That was this morning. Yes, I was that unprepared. I'm just, you know, following my modus operandi. So, <laughs> um, so I'm really excited for this morning. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, as a result of just kind of my body, my health, like the mornings are really tough for me. Uh, it's why, you know, the last couple of years I do a lot more sitting down and, the, you know, the morning worship and standing. I woke up this morning ready to go. So let's go. Um, so this morning, uh, before I jump into our sermon, I want to do something that I don't ever do, and that's read a bunch of stuff from my iPad, which I wrote like four months ago. Um, and, and that's just as I, as I um, told you guys um, a couple of months ago that 
uh, on this Sunday, I'd kind of share this journey of um, being called out of this position. Uh, as I think it's beneficial for you all to know, just as I have been your youth pastor, it's good for you guys to know, but just as an encouragement to all of you, I think, um, I know for me specifically, um, I've looked as, as I've been, you know, growing older and, and just trying to understand, like, how do you hear God's voice? How do you discern, um, you know, the, the, you know, door number one, door number B decisions, and how do you figure, no one? Okay, all right, cool. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, I, I just, I wonder, like, how is it, like, the, the big, amazing men and women of great faith in my life, like, how do they make those big decisions and um, this is a massive decision, if not the biggest decision that I've made, period, uh, in my life, as I'll share here in a minute. Um, but I just wanted to, so forgive me in, in that I am going to be reading word for word for a little bit, but I just didn't want to miss anything in my recall and in my sharing with you, just because I want to encourage you, if you're in a place of like, I, I need to make a big decision, or we're up against some things financially, or we're up against some things in the family, or we're just trying to make, you know, there's like some big, as we call them, big dog decisions. Um, I just want to share with you the story of the last 12 months of how this decision has come about. Just as an encouragement that one, like God does speak to us, and two, like God is working, not only in all of our lives, but in this church. So uh, forgive me as I read word for word for a bit. Um, eight years ago, and if you're counting specific days, it was eight years, two months, and 16 days. Um, Jeff called me into his office uh, for an interview, and I was 19 years old. I had no ministry experience. I had given three short, and I will say short, sermons in my life. There was a, a little uh, devotional that I gave on Romans 8.28 when we were in Tecate, Mexico on a mission trip, and uh, two quick little things on Judges 6 about Gideon when we were in India um, a couple of weeks before. I had no service experience other than coiling XLR cables. That's these cables that are running across the stage uh, and setting up the sound system when we were over at Tremont. That was all the service experience that I had. Uh, the closest thing I had to teen ministry experience was that I still was a teen. Um, I was 19 years old. That's where I was at when Jeff called me into his office. As we were praying a couple of weeks ago, you know, as I've heard all throughout these eight years, just, you know, God, I don't know why we picked Matt, but... We didn't, you did, and uh, that's not to glorify me, that's to glorify what God can do with someone like me. So if he can do anything with me, he can do anything with you. Uh, so eight years later, which brings us to today, um, I, I've had the ability to look back on uh, just all of the activities that have happened, all of the good things, all the bad things, and um, what I, what I wish that I could bottle up and just give you, like to just give you, is what I like to call like, like the good old days, but we really don't call them the good old days in youth ministry. Like, we call them, I won't tell you what we call them. You just have to get in youth ministry and find out. It's so good. It's when you just have no idea what you're doing. And all you know is that you love Jesus, and you love, like, pelting kids with 85-mile-an-hour fastballs with dodgeballs. And it's just, he knows these, yeah, he knows what's up. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when you just, you don't quite know exactly what you're doing, but you love Jesus, and you just love teens, and you put the two together, and under the, the wisdom of the people around you, you just go and do that. I wish I could just give that to you, but you just got to get involved in ministry to, to experience what that means and to have God uh, work in your life in that way. I look back on the most difficult moments of my life. 
the hardest decisions I've ever made, the, the most hurt I've ever been, the most pain that I've ever experienced, the most doubt I've ever experienced, the most frustration, the most anger I've ever experienced in my life. And they have all happened during my time as being a youth pastor, or they have all happened to prepare me for being a youth pastor. Every single one of them. I look back at the sweetest moments in my life, and I could probably say the same thing with a few exceptions. That basically all of them have happened during my time as being a youth pastor, or have happened, which have helped to sculpt me uh, to be into this position. Um, another thing I wish I could just give you is, is when it's like 10.30, the youth leaders in the room know, when it's like 10.30 on a youth night, and it's time to go home, and we're like, dog tired because we just like had an epic night of youth ministry and we're like closing down. But we're just having like rib dislodging laugh attacks from just all the things that we're talking about and experiencing just because we love each other so much and we just don't want to leave. Like we don't want to see, all right, I love you guys. See you next week. But we have to. Like there's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing when you're doing ministry with people you genuinely love and you don't want to leave. I look back on the last 27 years of my life and I've concluded that having the honor and the privilege of being your youth pastor for this church has been the single most important and impactful thing in my life, second only to my decision to follow Christ. Uh, that came with a lot of thinking. It came with a lot of meditation, a lot of um, reflecting on my life. And I can definitely, with confidence, tell you that that the last eight years of being uh, the youth pastor of this church has been the single most important and impactful thing in my life. So for all these reasons, it makes this so difficult, but um, I, if I come across as like not emotional this morning, it's because I've already like cried every tear that's ever been imaginable, and I'm just ready. Like I'm ready for what God is ushering in. Like I'm ready for what this is. Uh, so I want to share now uh, kind of the story of how this all happened. Uh, in my first year of ministry, uh, God gave me, I believe, a prophetic word for me uh, as it pertained to my ministry uh, in Dixon, and it's not something I've shared with a lot of people, and I'm actually going to just be careful with what I share just in general because I think it's, it's something to be handled with care when God speaks like a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy like to you, um, and so I just want to be very careful with what I share with everybody. I will just share this, though, that like God gave me a call to work the soil. Like, that was a position that God has called me to. Uh, you know, if there's, you know, ranks and jobs and job descriptions, of course I had this job description that uh, Jeff and the elders gave me. Uh, but as for my role in Dixon, it was this, to, to work the soil, to till the soil. And uh, that was not a unique role. I was not the only one in doing that. Um, but that was what God spoke to me directly. Uh, and so in these seven years since... Uh, Everything that I have done uh, within youth ministry has been within the context of, okay, God, is this working the soil? Is this getting the rocks out? Is this working with the, the roots of the trees, you know, ripping that out? Is this working with fertilizing the soil? Is this, is this bringing nutrients to the soil? Sorry, Nacho Libre quote. I'm, I'm contractually obligated as a youth leader to quote Nacho Libre, as you found out from Luke a couple of weeks ago. Um, so as all of the things that have been asked of me in, by, by Living Hope and all the things as Interstate, our multi-church youth group, as we have planned, in the back of my mind has always been this context. Is this working the soil? Is this preparing the soil for the seeds of the gospel? Is this preparing the soil uh, for good fruit? And I believe that by the, um, 
the multi-church youth ministry that we have and by, by the, the churches coming together and under unity and, and through the gospel work that has been happening and through the, the blood, sweat, and tears um, by youth leaders and parents and pastors and lay pastors and volunteers and kids workers and everybody who's involved in creating this culture uh, and getting down and getting muddy and bloody and working when it's, when it's, you don't exactly know what you're doing, but you're doing it and you're you know, sometimes flying by the Holy Spirit pants, and sometimes you're, you're flying by, you know, the book, and sometimes you're, you're making phone calls at one in the morning, like, hey, this is going down. I don't know what I'm doing. And sometimes the Lord gives you exactly what to do. That's what ministry is all about. I can say that as a result of all that, I can say mission accomplished, that Dixon's soil is in a better place now than it was eight years ago. And that's not me. That's Everyone who's involved, not just in youth ministry, but interceding for youth ministry, being a part of youth ministry, being a part of kids' ministry, being a part of young adult ministry, it all translates. It's not just a direct conduit into, you know, 7th through 12th graders, 6th through 12th graders. So much of youth ministry is outside of just those age ranges. It's, it's doing what Connor is going to be doing, the movie night with, you know, the, the people upcoming, Wrangling in the graduates, getting them into ministry, whether youth ministry or whatever, supporting them, praying with them, having dinner with, with you guys, which has been such a blessing. So much of ministry is outside of the 6 to 8.30, 7 to 8.30. And I would actually wager that the vast majority of the fruit, the vast majority of the kingdom work is done outside of the youth ministry hours. That's why we do bowling nights. Because we can scream and throw stuff and then call it ministry. It's beautiful. <laughs> Last September, I experienced a heart shift. Not that joy was no longer in youth ministry. Uh, all I can call it was just a heart shift. It was just something, something changed. I can't exactly tell you what it was. And around November, which is now a full year ago, I began to wonder what my life was going to look like. At the time, I was finishing up at Sac State. I only had a few weeks left. And I was just like, okay, God, what's what do you have for me? I'm going to be graduating here, and I don't know exactly what you have for me going forward. And uh, by the grace of God, I, I uh, walked out of uh, Sac State with a, uh, with a degree, graduated um, with honors, and graduated with no debt. Uh, it was amazing. God is good. Yes, yes, God is so good. Um, it's, that's a cool story. If you want to know how that all happened, please, tell, please talk to me. It's, it's amazing uh, what God can do. Um, so that was in November of last year, a whole year ago. And around March, uh, I just really felt that feeling, you know. So this is like almost half a year later of just like just dredging and, and just feeling like, okay, not that the joy has gone in ministry, but just something has changed and I can't exactly tell you what it is. I just, there was something wrong. There just wasn't, you know, it's like, you know, when you're like, you have like, an, like a kid's toy, you know, there's like the different shapes and, like, every once in a while, there'll just be, like, a shape that's not, like, the circle of the triangle, but it actually fits in there, you know? And it's, like, you're trying to tell your kid, like, okay, yeah, it goes in there, but that's not the right shape, you know? And it's, like, that's kind of how I felt. Like, yeah, it was working, and, yeah, I was in the right place, but was I the right shape? Was I in the right shape? I couldn't exactly tell you what was going on at that time. Um, so I began to pray legitimately, like, God, like, are you calling me out of this? And right away felt like this peace, like this, just this stillness. I was like, that seems right. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not right. That's not right. Get behind me, Satan. Get out of here. 
Like I was just like, no, like that's not right. That's not right. And and so I just I just stiff armed it. I was just like, God's called me to youth ministry. This is this is what I do. This is who I am. And um, and so I just stiff armed that. So uh, several months later, um, I just again I just was very seriously considering it. And so after a couple of meetings with Jeff. Um, I can't remember if it was you or me or, or, or what, but I just, uh, just this was said that I need to put youth ministry on the altar. I need to put this on the altar. And if you're unfamiliar with that, uh, that Christianese, uh, basically there is a story uh, in the Old Testament um, where God called Abraham to sacrifice his own son. And you're like, okay, that's, I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, I would be too. And, 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 and Abraham is, is like the man of faith uh, in the Old Testament. And, and so God, God tells him to do it. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And, and so he puts his son down on the altar. He binds him up and he's, he has the knife and he's about to drop it down on his son. And God's like, stop, 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 stop. Okay, you're good. All right, here's a lamb. Sacrifice the lamb. And, and it's like the, one of the wildest stories in the whole Old Testament. And as I talk to fathers and mothers alike, and, and that just that story just sounds like jacked up. Like that sounds like manipulation. That sounds cultish. That sounds and, and to be honest, I mean I've been pastoring for eight years. I still wrestle with it. Um, but what I know of that is that God oftentimes calls us to place something on the altar. And whether that is to be something that is actually sacrificed in that moment, it's done, it's cut, it's for the Lord. Or there are times when in that moment, in that act of laying something down, in that act of saying, you know what, this is a part of my life, but I'm laying it down, God provides something else. And that is really one of the key things of being a Christian and following Christ is saying, yes, this is in my heart. Yes, this is in my mind. Yes, this is in my life and I'm attached to it but I'm going to place it down, and God, if you give it back to me, praise be to God. And if you take it, praise be to God. And if you take it and replace it with something else, praise be to God. That is the Christian life. That is what that is. And so I began to put the idea of youth ministry on the altar and say, okay, God, I'm going to put this down, and if you give this back to me, you know, as if this was like mine or something. But like, if 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 this is something you you still want for me, then um, then good. And right away, I just felt that peace, just that came over me. I'm just like, okay, no, 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 no. Again, I stiff armed. I'm like, that's not true. That's not true. That just it can't be true. And almost right away, I just started feeling sick, like anxiety, dizziness, all my Lyme symptoms coming up. I literally felt like I had an ulcer for several weeks and just, I mean, just, I mean, I won't go into details. I was feeling so sick. And this was right before junior high camp. Get through junior high camp. It's amazing because God is good and camp is amazing. But then I get back. Yeah, Sushi remembers. It was amazing. And I get back and I'm just feeling terrible, just feeling so sick. And stomachs just wound up in knots. I feel like I can't think clearly. I feel like I can't, like, like do anything right. I'm just completely, completely knotted up. And um, I, I come to Jeff, and I'm like, Jeff, I'm, I, I really feel like this is the Lord just placing the, the burden of this decision on me. And I feel like God's really, you know, calling me to resign. It's like, all right, let's spend some time praying through this. Let's spend some time praying through this. So we prayed for two weeks, came back from high school camp. And in those two weeks, I want to share this with you. In those two weeks, two things happened in my heart. First, I was praying and I told God that this feels like a step down in the kingdom. 
right? Going from being a vocational minister, a pastor, to become a business owner as I'm stepping into my business full time now. Feels like a step down in the kingdom. And God told me this. He said, do you even value your volunteers? Do you even value them? They work full time and serve me wholeheartedly. If you think that's a step down, then they're a step above you. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, I was, I was having full cryeria that day. If you don't know what that is, it's a youth ministry vocabulary. That means you are just weeping for about an hour. And that was so good. I needed that. I needed that so badly, you guys, because, yes, I value our volunteers, but I needed God to just put me in my place. Like, look, this is where I'm calling you. If you can't be okay with that, then, like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with you. Our volunteers, whether you're in youth ministry, kids ministry, worship, whatever, any, any of you guys who are in volunteers, which is a good number of people in the church, you guys aren't doing it for the money because there's no money in it. You guys aren't doing it for the glory because there's no glory in it. You guys aren't doing it for the fun. There is fun in it. You're doing it for the Lord. You're doing it out of your own time, out of your own pocket, because you love Jesus. You want to see Living Hope grow? You want to see Dixon grow? You want to see Dixon come to Christ? You want to see the kingdom of God grow? That's why you do it. I needed that reminder. Secondly, this happened. I began to actually get excited. I, I no longer was toiling around with the idea of calling it stepping, uh, stepping down or resigning. I, I started calling it passing the torch in my head. And so as we, um, I got to wrap, wrap up this story in a mode now and get into the sermon. Y'all are going to get tired of hearing me talk. Um, that, that end of it summed up is basically I got really excited I got really excited, and then when, when we were praying through, and I made my recommendation for Connor, and we were you know, praying through many different ways that this could happen, and, and uh, uh, Jeff and Phil and the elders decided that's where we were going, I just got so excited. So that brings us to today, and um, I will just share you one minute, and then we'll get, actually get into a sermon. <laughs> um, I, I'm at a place now where uh, I'll be taking six months sabbatical from ministry, and then I'll be coming back as a volunteer within youth ministry, probably junior high, um, specifically working uh, in the music end of things with our junior hires, and then also um, being on there on Tuesday nights. Um, but I, I could not be more excited for Connor stepping in. Um, I mean, it's, it's a total fleshly pride thing for me to look at, like Connor, who is someone who's come up all, every year through youth ministry. But you all know him. He's next door working with our kids this morning. I mean, he just, he loves Jesus. He loves service. Like, that's what he does. And, uh, and so I ask you, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this, this sermon with some exhortations. I'm just going to ask you now, church, support him. Like, he loves you guys. He loves your teens. He loves your kids. Support him. You guys, I know, I know you love him. Support him. Okay, so let's get into a sermon. Let's do it. Um, open up to Jeremiah 29. We're going there. Yeah. Never in a million years would I think that this morning I'd be going out of Jeremiah 29, but I, I am going where you think I'm going, but I'm also not going where you think I'm going. Um, and as we open to the Bible, let's just remind ourselves that we are opening the word of the living God. Either we are re reading a dead book from a dead God, and this is stupid, and there's a million better things I'd rather be doing on Sunday morning. Like, number one would be sleep. I love sleep. Or this is living word, which it testifies about itself, from a living God. So it's either of those two things. There's no, there's no in between. So we're going to open up to Jeremiah 29, 
And uh, yes, we are going to go to verse 11, which is um, one of those verses that, uh, and maybe some of you have it in your home, uh, maybe some of you have it on your phone as like a reminder, maybe you have it on a bumper sticker. I don't really know, like Christian bumper stickers kind of died in the late 90s, early 2000s, right? Like we don't do a ton of them. Anyone bumper sticker families in here? I'm not calling you out, but like I'm just, okay, all right. Just making sure, just making sure. Um, I just want to make sure I'm still hip and relevant. Um, so this Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse that we often go to uh, sometimes when we need encouragement, when we need uh, a pick-me-up, or we need a reminder that God is on our side. And um, the reason why I'm going there this morning is to focus on that word plans, uh, as, as this is kind of relevant to this morning. Uh, I've been going through the Old Testament, and um, I have been in Isaiah and Jeremiah for what feels like forever, and uh, I just finished uh, Jeremiah and got into Lamentations the other night, and I was like, yay, Lamentations! Ooh, Lamentations. So uh, I've been going through Jeremiah, and man, you guys, uh, if it's been a while for you, I encourage you, get into Jeremiah and get into Isaiah, because it has just been a, a palate cleanser for me to remind me that God doesn't mess around. Like, he's God. Like, he's What's up, as the kids would be saying over these days. Like, he means what he says, and he does what he says he's going to do. And that is what the prophets reminds us as, as, as we, the now church, look back on God's um, working with Israel, uh, specifically before Jesus. This is before Jesus came, uh, and at the time this is being written, uh, the whole nation of Israel has been scattered. Uh, there is a, a remnant left over that's been brought into Babylon, which is a, a brutal, epic nation that the Lord actually rose up. They're a wicked nation, which the Lord rose up as a tool to, to punish Israel. If, you, if that's weird for you this morning, I get that. Come and talk with the pastor. Come and talk with the leader, because it's actually an amazing thing. And this, this morning, what we're going to read is we're going to read 10 through 13. I want us to get the context of this this morning because when we get to Jeremiah 29, 11, what we like to do is we like to say, yes, the Bible is alive and this verse is alive and this verse is my, you know, my thing and this verse is my mantra or this verse is the truth. Yes, that is true. Yes, we can proclaim the truths of the scripture, but it is so important for us to understand the context which was, this is being written and it actually becomes more beautiful when we understand uh, who this is being written to. So yes, the, the, the Israelites, God's chosen people, have been scattered. They're under an evil uh, rule, uh, an evil nation, a pagan nation. Um, I won't go into all that. You can read the Old Testament or talk to a pastor. Uh, let's start in verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, 70 years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. When 70 years, you don't put, and we had some delicious tri-tip over at my brother's house yesterday, delicious, my brother can cook. You do not put a tri-tip in the oven for five minutes and pull that thing out of there and think it's ready, do you? You put that thing in there, or if you're doing it over fire or you're smoking or whatever, you know, meet people in the house, you know how there's a couple of good, I got some mm-hmms in here, yes. You know there's some good ways to do a tri-tip. There's a good, couple of good ways to do it. Completely raw is not one of the ways to do it, right? A little, like medium rare or even a little rare, but no, not raw. You can eat it rare, but you can't eat it raw. The Lord's judgment upon Israel is like a beautiful Juicy tri tip. 
the right time, the right way, in the right place. That is a really hard thing to swallow this morning, even though it's a beautiful, delicious tri-tip. God's judgment, God's justice is perfect. That is a hard pill to swallow this morning. But, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. And you're saying, well, we're in captivity. We're under this evil rule. We saw our, our parents get killed, and we saw our, our, our kids you know, brought into slavery, and we saw people scattered, and we saw the temple burned down, and we saw our houses burned down. We were carried away. We were carted away to a strange land. We had to learn an, a new language, learn a new culture, or we'd be put to the stake. We'd be, we'd be put to the axe. We'd be killed. You're saying this is a good thing? You're saying that you have plans to prosper us? How could possibly this make sense? Verse 12, then you will call upon me and you will pray to me and I will listen to you. For you will seek me and you will uh, find me when you seek me with all your heart. That is the promise. We love Jeremiah 29, 11. We love it. God has good plans to prosper us. Woohoo! That's good. That's good to know that. That's Matthew 5. That's Matthew 6. Like that's good stuff, Right? That's not a promise that we're going to be super wealthy, but that's a promise that he's going to take care of us. He's, he's, he's going to have good plans for us not to harm us. Yay, that's good, not to, not to inflict harm, but, but, but good plans, that we love that. We don't like verse 10. We don't like after 70 years of being in captivity, God is going to uphold his promise. In the same way where after wandering in the desert, we don't like that. We didn't like Assyria. We didn't, they didn't like Rome. They didn't like being under the Roman uh, uh, power at the time of Jesus. Israel was constantly under the attack of the nations around them in their rebellion and constantly in a place of peace when they're upholding the, the rule and the law of God. We don't like that. We don't like verse 10. We don't like that aspect of God. And if we could be honest, in our flesh, we don't like everything that comes after verse 11. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Like, we like some of our heart to go to God. That's convenient. Like, we like some of it. We don't like all of it. Because all of it, that, that's, that's all of it. You will seek me when you will find me when all of your heart. That's a lot, right? We like Psalm 37, 4. Uh, which says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. All right, go to church and he's going to do me some good stuff, right? I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. I'm going to raise my hands, Jesus, and then he's going to give me some stuff. That's not what Psalm 37 is saying. That's not what Jeremiah 29 11 is saying. He has plans for us. And if we can be honest, sometimes verse 11 doesn't even feel so right. I had plans to stay in long, long-term in India. I was talking with Fiji. I was talking with Little Flock Children's Home. I was talking with the church, and, and, and I was having serious plans about staying long-term in India. God had other plans. I had plans to be at the peak of my health in my mid-20s. God had other plans. I had plans to be married by now. I had the ring. God had other plans. We, as a church, had plans for me to be full-time, God had other plans. So when we look at Jeremiah 29 11 as a quick pick-me-up, we got to be real. Sometimes we don't even like his plans. Like all of this, which is meant to be an encouragement from God 
to Jeremiah, to the king Zedekiah, to the remnant in Israel, we kind of hijack and say, all right, God's good, all right, I'm moving on, and just kind of like drone on. We can't do that. We have to take this scripture, and I remember there's a great analogy. We can't eat the scripture like an orange, you know, little, little, you know, little bit by little bit. You got to take it like an apple. You just got to, ah, you just got to get in there, peel and all. You just got to go for it, except for the seeds, unless you're Christy Nelson, because she eats the whole, that's messed up. So weird. <laughs> you got to talk to your daughter. <laughs> Crazy. We got to get in there. We got to take the whole thing apart. We got to get in there. This was an encouragement to the nation of Israel who was in captivity, and God wasn't even going to free them for, for another lifetime. They were going to be under a, a, a regime which was evil and they didn't agree with. And God was going to raise up leaders like Daniel. I was talking to Phil. This is so beautiful. God raises up men like Daniel who's going to be put literally under the direct service of, of the king. And if you're like in politics, it's kind of like going into the, like the exact opposite party. But it's not like, oh, I disagree with you. It's that the other party is committing genocide and God's like, yeah, you're going to serve him. And you're going to glorify me through your service to him. And what does Daniel do? He serves him humbly. And even the king of Babylon bends his knee to the Lord. And then his pride gets the best of him, and then God completely humbles him. It's amazing. You gotta read the story of Daniel. God has plans for every single one of us. Sometimes we don't even like his plans. But the truth of it, which we do hold on to when we do have that as a plaque verse, and by the way, if you have Jeremiah 29, 11, like in your kitchen or like on your phone, don't go burning that down. Like, that's good. Like, keep that there. But dive deep into what that means for you. That when you come up against a big dog decision, when you come up against something you have no idea how you're going to get out of, Jeremiah 29, 11 is not a quick fix, help me feel better right now. It's a, okay, God, this sucks. And you might actually have a large part to play in these circumstances happening the way that they did. Read the Old Testament. That's exactly how things went. Read the New Testament. That's exactly how things are. God allows things to happen in our lives to sharpen us. As I said before, the sweetest moments and the nastiest, hardest, most difficult moments of my life have been as a youth pastor of living hope, and I would not change any of those experiences. I would not trade any of those experiences because God has allowed them to be, whether a, a thorn or a delight for me. I want to read um, a couple of verses, say a couple of words, and then we'll, uh, then we'll dismiss because I know I'm going long. Although that is, again, modus operandi for me, is it not? Romans 12, 1 through 2. It seems like every time I'm just here, so I apologize if this feels like the fifth time I've gone here says this, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, this good and pleasing and perfect will. In the same way that Jeremiah 29, 13 says that when we seek God with all of our heart, then this promise is going to be true for us. Then God will answer us and hear us. The same is true Old 
and New Testament. So we need to lay down our lives. We need to lay down our hearts. We need to seek him with all of our heart. We need to put our heart on the altar to not conform any longer to this world in a way that I kind of liken to when you're making like gingerbread cookies, you know, and you just like, you just stamp it down. And then like the gingerbread man is just perfectly like conformed to the dough and, you know, to the cookie cutter. Do not be conformed. That's the sound, by the way. It doesn't work unless you make the sound, Bob Ross. You got to... You do not come like the world, but be transformed. And in the same way where the world wants to cookie cut you into these name brands and, 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 and into these activities and into this gossip and into this sexual sin and into this music and into this, you know, whatever, that cookie cuts you as this moldable dough. God wants to take that moldable dough and work you into something way more beautiful unique, not cookie-cut crap from the world, but good, beautiful creation. And then there's even more, because then you get to know what God's will is. Then you are transformed with the renewing of your mind, and you get to see his good and pleasing his perfect will. So here are these four things, and, and I apologize. I, you know, I don't prepare a whole lot for slides, but this is, this is what, in the end of this, is kind of what I conclude. First, repent. You don't go anywhere with the Lord without repentance. You just don't. You, just, you don't come to God and say, all right, this is my life. This is, where, this is where I am. I just want the good things. That's not how that works. When Jesus was, was first starting his ministry, he went from town to town saying, repent first, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Second, seek God faithfully. Not seek God when it's convenient. Not seek God minimally. Not seek whatever that is. Seek God faithfully, consistently, believing. Third, accept his will. At any point in this journey, we can say, okay, repent. All right, now I'm good. I'm just going to walk away. Repent, seek God faithfully. Okay, I'm just going to like think about you. I'm going to do God things. Accept his will. You might be this morning feeling like you're in the 70 years in Babylon, feeling like you're wandering in the wilderness, the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. You might feel like you're being cast out of the garden this morning. All these Christianese things, I'm so sorry. Old Testament stuff. You might feel like you are under the thumb of God this morning. If you accept what he is doing in your life, that what feels like, you know, the kid with the magnifying glass, you know, like lighting the ants on fire, what feels like that is actually God trying to sculpt you, trying to work with you right? No beautiful sculpture has ever been done without some serious, serious banging and chiseling. That is what we are like. That is what our lives are like. And we are stone cold. Our hearts start off stone cold. God needs to chisel it. God needs to work with it. You can't at one point do one without the other. You must repent, seek God, accept his will, and finally glorify him. That's what this is all about. I want to leave you now with some exhortations. I asked a couple of my mentors. I was like, was this overdramatic? And they're like, no, do it. So I'm going to do it. And then if it is, then it's their fault. Um, I just wanted to leave uh, you guys with some exhortations. And uh, in the New Testament, um, Paul and the other writers would often leave as just kind of like some encouragements, you know, just kind of like a, a personal address to people. Um, as we just kind of wrap up this idea of um, accepting God's will for our lives, uh, it says in Hebrews that it's our responsibility to encourage each other, to spur each other on to good works. And um, we will get discouraged. We will. Um, 
And when we do, um, we need to remember to encourage each other. And so I just want to leave some specific encouragements. Um, I have a whole section for Connor. He's next door, so I'll save that for second service. Sorry. Uh, it's longer than everybody else's. So, uh, First to the parents, parents of teens that I've had the opportunity to partner with. Um, again, I apologize for reading. Um, thank you for allowing me to be uh, in your homes, uh, to be a part of your... Uh, screw it. Thank you for allowing me in your homes um, to, to partner with you in the ministry. I know, um, first of all, I know some of you, many of you actually uh, recall the 19-year-old kid uh, and, you know, like, okay, I have a 19-year-old, you know, youth pastor and, and a 15-year-old daughter. This, this is weird. Um, I appreciate the fact that uh, you leaned in uh, and not only, you know, protecting your family, but also leaning in. Uh, I, know, I know that that's not a small thing to do. Um, I appreciate the fact that you allow me and our youth leaders into your homes for dinner uh, to allow um, the trust to exist uh, between me and your family. That's something I couldn't trade for the world. So thank you for supporting uh, me, and I ask you just to continue to do that uh, for Connor. Uh, to the church, thank you for faithfully supporting me and allowing me to minister in this position. Uh, and thank you for financially giving to this church, which has literally allowed me uh, to continue to, to pastor these eight years. It's something I could not have done uh, without you financially giving to this church. And so if, just like what Jeff was saying this morning, um, if you're looking for tangibles, where is this money going? If I'm any tangible, then thank you. Um, I literally would not have been able to do what I've been able to do in these last eight years. So thank you for financially supporting this church, for financially supporting me. Thank you. Um, to every volunteer that takes time out of their day, I've already spoken to this a little bit. Uh, I just want to encourage you. Uh, that's, that sacrifice is what makes the Acts 2 church possible. Acts 2 uh, it talks about er, right after Jesus had ascended and uh, everyone had everything in common and they were, uh, you know, working specifically to, together. You can read that end of Acts 2. Your sacrifice and your volunteer, your sacrifice and in, 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 in everything that you do, church, is, is what makes this church happen. If you want to see this church continue to grow, continue to exist, to continue to be an influence in Dixon, which, by the way, if you don't know, Talk to the Dixon Police Department. Talk to, to the teachers. Talk to the Dixon administrations. Talk to people in this town. They are recognizing what, Dick, what Living Hope is to Dixon. I've talked to three different people this week, one a police officer, one a teacher, and one an admin. And all three of them, when I say I'm from Living Hope, they're like, you guys are doing great stuff. And I'm like, yeah, do you know this person in church? They're like, yeah, I know that person. We are doing things. And it's not Living Hope. It's Jesus. It's you guys doing the work and obeying Jesus. So it's happening. Continue to serve. Amen all over that. To the elders and my mentors. Okay. Thank you for putting up with me. I know there are plenty of times when you wanted to punch me in the throat. And on occasion say things that were funny to only three people in the room. And everyone else is wondering what the crap he's talking about. Those are called memes. They're funny. Look it up. It's the love language of teenagers. Just get it. Thank you for giving me the freedom that you have uh, and giving me uh, the honor of doing youth ministry the way I believe that God has allowed us to do youth ministry. As a young, arrogant 19-year-old to the slightly less arrogant 27-year-old that I am now, um, thank you for allowing me the, the long leash in, um, in doing youth ministry. That means, that means so much. And for anyone else who's stepping into ministry at this church, maybe for the first time, 
understand that the way that we do ministry around here is we trust, like, we trust you. There's boundaries, there's parameters, obviously, and that's straight out of the Bible, but we trust you. We trust you that you hear from God. And if you are seeking Jesus and you are seeking the word and you want to serve, just do it. Just do it. It's so, so good. Finally, to the teens in the room. There are a few of you guys. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, look up. Come on. I know I'm going along. Let's go. Come on. All right. You are the future of living hope. Oh, sorry. Start over. None of you heard that. You are not the future of living hope. You are living hope. You are not the future. If you're not acting like it now, start acting like it. I and Connor and the interstate leaders and the rest of the church look to you as individual thinkers with a unique voice and a unique role in the kingdom of God right here, right now, at your age. The Bible is your blueprint to unlocking what that looks like. As you spend time hearing from God's written and spoken word, you will begin to recognize that still small voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. He is your guide. Go to youth group. If you're committed in extracurriculars that prevent you from fellowshipping in that youth group environment, you have the extra mile to run and you have an extra honor to bring. Be bold and testify to the truth of God to your peers in your sports teams, clubs, dojo, studio, classes, or whatever it is that prevents you from coming to youth group. Bring the fellowship to those places. You are the light of Jesus in those places. To all the teens, uh, you will never have a more convenient mission field for the rest of your life than right now. I heard that from my youth leaders when I was a teen. I took advantage of it. They heard that from their youth leaders. They took advantage of it. You guys are hearing it now from your youth leaders. Don't take advantage of it. Just don't. Just don't do it. Live as Christ would in your schools. Be bold. You will not regret that. You cannot regret that. You can regret not living as Christ in your schools and your dojo and your classes and your football team and everything you guys are doing. You cannot regret living as Christ in those environments. I had other things to say, but I'll say them individually. Finally, um, no, I won't say that. I love you guys. If you, um, if at any point you want to know more about just kind of this whole, this whole path, um, you know, come and talk to me uh, personally. I know this is kind of an odd Sunday. It's kind of, you know, atypical to what we do. Um, but what I think is so cool is that this is a very beautiful Sunday and that you get to see God working specifically uh, in this church in a way that is not um, in the flesh. This is, this is the Lord working. And um, Connor's going to be in here next service. Um, I just encourage you, church, pray for him. Pray for our, our, if you're not, pray for our pastors, our elders. If you do not know the amount of things that they bear under in, this, in the spirit, in, in, in the spiritual warfare that happens, and in the counseling, and, and in the trenches, you need to be praying for them and, and, and come alongside them and support them. It's, it's hard work. It's beautiful work. Join them in that. Um, I have nothing else. So I love you all. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. Um, yeah, that's it. I love you. Let's pray, and then let's go home and do things. Uh, Jesus, I just thank you so much for your word this morning, uh, that you have plans for us, God, that, um, that we are not just, uh, as the songs say, just floating along and, 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 and really with no destiny or uh, 
God, you have a plan for each of us. You have a unique role for each of us, God. What an amazing thing that that is to know. So God, I just ask that you uh, show us what it means uh, to lay down uh, our lives as living sacrifices that we may hear uh, from you. Um, God, it's just such a beautiful thing. So God, over this church, I ask that you continue to work in it, Lord, that, that we be a church, God, that fears you, that looks at the Old Testament and, 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 and reveres you, God, that we look at the New Testament and we thank you, God, for grace. We thank you for grace, that we not take advantage of it, but we live inside of that reality. Jesus, over today, God, may it not just be uh, another day that we notch in the belt, God, but may it be a day with unique purpose, with divine appointment, God, with kingdom work to be done. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come next Sunday. Ryan Reamer is the man. You have to be there. Please do not miss it. Next Sunday is going to be good. Love you guys. Thank you.